We can go ahead and get started first. Um, hey, Jeffrey. Uh, how's it going? Hey, what's up, everyone? <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. Dude. Um, I think we've... Um, talked briefly before in Squiddow. Um I was uh, I was the one that really showed Squid to Garlem. Um and uh, I, I minted before him and that was a whole story for another day. But um yeah nice to meet you and, and uh happy to connect with you. And um our Twitter space is pretty um pretty free flowing so we treat it uh, like a fireside chat style where um we call it Alpha League um it's either you know other founders and VCs who have different theses than us. Uh, we try to learn something from them and um, educate our audience as well. Just all kind of uh, learning experience and sharing theses. And, um, so yeah, excited to kind of um, talk to you and get your background and what you're excited about in crypto and Web3. And uh, we can share some of uh, the trending alpha, so to speak, that we're looking at as well. Great. Appreciate the warm intro and yeah, excited to riff and chat. I think uh, this whole industry is just relatively new. So while there might be some OGs, right? Like the OGs are at most less than a decade. Yeah. <laughs> people it's funny. that played in those times are, are still playing here. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully we you know, have a little bit of insight from where we're more towards the edge um but yeah happy to share background interest and some of the new areas we're excited about of course yeah um so maybe if you could give a brief intro by yourself first and uh what you do in in web3 and crypto and we can go from there cool uh my name is jeff Wu. uh actually come from a technical background so studied computer science at stanford and a lot of the founders and projects and investors are then now some of the industry leaders. I literally took CS144 networking. And I remember a lot of these folks that end up starting Filecoin or Alchemy or some of the GPs at the name brand VC firm. So have, uh, I guess in terms of OG cred, just started tracking some of these concepts since 2010, 2011. Bought my first Bitcoin in 2013. Um, I think one of my, actually my CS professor, David Mazier, has actually started Stellar. No, so got wow. some airdrops there. So um, I've always been, I would say like intellectually interested in the problem that blockchain solved, which is the Byzantine's uh, general problem. So mm-hmm. remember learning about that in uh, CS244B, which is distributed systems. Um, but I think it's like interesting to just like, like relook at history that like all the quote unquote serious computer science kids that I went to school with, it was machine learning and AI, which would, we're all the quote unquote smartest kids uh, focused on. Um, and crypto was just a kind of weird side thing that kind of the weirdos were, were playing around in. Um, so, and I, I, I honestly was more in that, la- uh, the former camp, like kind of curious about it. Didn't seem super legit, right? This was like 
when Facebook was still pre-IPO coming out, Y Combinator was still relatively new. Um, and uh, fast forward 2022, um, I think like the entire world has changed and the entire sentiment has changed. Um, so I got a lot more renewed interest in crypto. Um, I would say... 2017, Seed invested in a protocol called Origin. It was backed by friends. So nice. realized that there's a lot more interesting things going on. And then just become very, very active recently when I started a VC fund with Jake Paul. Who also has like a very interesting backstory with crypto himself. Um, his, I think, little calling card was that when, like, it's also he bought his first Bitcoin in 2013. I think he was like 15, 16 at the time. Um, he got like a few hundred dollars for his first influencer deal. And he spent that like 500 bucks on buying some Bitcoin. So, no way. Wow. Uh, so That's a... he's also kind of got the crypto bug very, very early. Um, so uh, we partnered together to start Anti-Fund, which is essentially a, 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 we are both Jake and I are the largest LPs in our own fund. So really just an extension of angel investing. Mm -hmm. And we invested in a number of crypto projects uh, kind of early last year. And I think in 2021, you couldn't really miss in crypto. Uh, I think the story is very different in 2022. And perhaps that's probably some of the more interesting to talk about in terms of how we're kind of playing when the market is not cleared everything to the moon market. Um, so that's a little bit of a truncated history of background and the circuitous route in terms of getting to where we are today. Awesome. Yeah, that's a very comprehensive intro. And I think um, I personally share some similar background with you. Um, I do Obviously not Stanford CS, but uh, I'm Canadian. I started software engineering in school, and um, I don't know. But when by the time I graduated, it was all everyone was trying to go to Google and Facebook and and um, Silicon Valley to do either, like you said, machine learning or some part of AI or um, some part of cloud, which was still a little bit. It seemed early, but in hindsight, it was already too late, and um, at least not by joining a big tech. And and um, it, it just kind of went really against me because, um, you know, the, po the point I saw in joining computer science and learning this amazing skill is to really enable myself with flexibility and create things that I want to do, um, and both on my lifestyle and also you know, just whatever I think of, I can, I can create that idea. But eventually I realized it's all about how many, you know, coding problems you can solve and how, how many times you can grind, um, a crack and code interview. And, and it's, it's just not something I wanted to do. And, um, and then similar time, you know, 2017, um, saw this picture of Vitalik, just this super weird YouTube video of him, telling us about this world computer and just instantly got hooked. I've, I've heard of Bitcoin before. I've done a little bit of mining, but nothing like that. And it just instantly clicked. It was like, okay, on this platform, I can create anything and nobody can stop it. 
not only that, I can also create money. So that's even something on top, which uh, just made all the sense. So just jumped right in. Um, but yeah, like I think um, your story is is very. It's kind of on one side of uh, stories we hear often. The other side is more people that come from playing poker and uh, using Bitcoin early. But those are the two most common introductions we have. Um, yeah. No, I think uh, I don't know a lot of professional poker players that I remember watching on ESPN. Like, I just remember, like, I don't know if you guys know Tom Dwan. I just remember oh, yeah. watching him playing poker on, and then I've got to know him just from the crypto world. And I think uh, I found that some of the poker guys from poker have some of the best trading instincts. So I think they're just very, very. They're, they're like hedge funds on steroids yep. in terms of how they treat their investing, which I think is an interesting uh, lesson in terms of how to play crypto investing versus traditional Silicon Valley tech investing, which I have more of a background on. I mean, that's, that's where I came from. That's where I got my training from. I went through Y Combinator in 2011, started a company, sold a company, started multiple companies, angel invested a bunch of my friends' companies. Um, so just very much like web to Silicon Valley, angel investor and entrepreneur training. Um, and it's absolutely a very different culture and, and speed and motion for Web3. And I think that, and I'm just curious in, in this group here, I feel like a lot of the Web2 people are super cringe in Web3. Like they... It's a very different language. It's a very different cadence. A very different expectation. And I'm I'm, I'm actually very curious how the power shifts. And I think obviously the better, faster learners in Web two will make that transition. But I think it's a great opportunity for new folks coming in to. Uh, and already people have made outsized, ridiculous returns <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, so it, it's it's a fun dynamic place to to play. For sure, I, I think um, some some things I definitely resonate with there because um, I think a few months back I was talking to Garland on um, kind of our, our real edge, um, not only from identifying thesis, doing deal flow, supporting projects, but also our we are all crypto natives, we're all Web three natives, and none of us had, as far as I know, any VC background. You know, we had some finance background but what what how to identify that specific edge how to put it on you know and, and how to explain it to people and it was a combination of understanding the culture understanding the um that the community is what carries you and um and very early on your community is part of your project and they own a part of your project not from only the tokenomics perspective fee share but also they they represent you and if they're not happy, you know, there's some things you're doing wrong. Um, and and later on, we extended that, you know, that dove a little deeper into um, why is that case? Uh, why is this the case? And, you know, it's it's really a big difference of um, when you invest in tokens and Web3 native projects, they become liquid so much earlier. And it's almost as if you go directly to the IPO route versus... 
um, so much of the uh, traditional VC deals, which um, nothing gets liquid, nothing gets speculative until so much later. And that culture, uh, combined with the volatility of how early these things go public um, as tokens, brings this Web3 native culture, which uh, uh, I think, you know, when... <laughs> gets you the kind of interactions where a uh, uh, true Tradify VC comes in and they interact with someone on Twitter and it's just cringe. Uh, so, yeah. 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 I remember when like Sequoia Capital tried to be like super, I'm a main net faucet. I'm like, uh, like you're like, that's lame. Don't, don't even, right? Like I get it. You guys are trying to hustle to be relevant in the new world, but it's like, I don't know if any founders are like, wow, like, that's cool, Sequoia. Yeah, that's funny. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's... But I think on, on the other side of the coin, I think just like crypto trading is like very emotional. I feel like it is a lot of... It's very momentum-driven. So I think it's a different speed and cadence. And I think some of the instincts from either poker playing or hedge fund or quantitative algo traders like folks like with like Sam Bankman Fried's background. He was at Jane street with a, a top algo trading firm, yeah. like those types of instincts and in investing styles, which are more trading styles end up being, uh, you know, very profitable because it's much more technical driven versus fundamental. So I think it's like from a classic finance perspective, understanding the game you're playing and then two, I think um, to the culture part, um, this is like the access perspective. And a lot of the founders are non, a lot of the founders are very young. And I think understanding the, the lingo, the culture, uh, gets you the access that traditionally VCs get access to, right? So I think there's like, so I think it's like a very interesting amalgamation of very, very early stage VC, which is people-driven, culture-driven, language-driven, plus like the hyper-aggression of quantitative traders, technical traders who are moving in and out of positions very, very quickly. So I think that's just like a new game that hasn't really been played with very disparate skill sets that's being competed on right now. And a new set of players are, are, are doing well. Um, and I, but I think it's also like a very interesting landscape where I think the 2021 game is very different from the 2022 game. Um, so hopefully that kind of makes sense in terms of how I'm like, I think describing the types of players and the timing of the market and the metagame of the market. Yeah, I think um, the 2021 versus 2022 point definitely um speaks to a lot of us many people don't realize as much but you know we pretty much had past two 2020 even uh, and then 21 we're all you you throw money at anything and you're likely to make money and this has enabled so much um there are actually entitlement in the secondary as well but so many vcs have uh, come and go and uh, without identifying much of their own edge. And um, now this year, it's so much more about um, filtering around the right projects and, and identifying your own thesis and uh, and even creating your own narratives. That um, is something we're really 
striving to do. And um, to that point, I think, yeah, the meta game. Curious of your thoughts of uh, uh, what the current meta, uh, what kind of excites you, and and we can share some of ours as well as Alpha, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So just the uh, Anchor Twenty Twenty One. I think that's going to be a once in a generation bull market. I think when you have 0% interest rates, stimmy checks, and everyone is locked down at home and you can't do anything but trade shit coins and shit stocks and drive a ton of volume across everywhere. Um, I think you create that dynamic where it's like very hard to miss. So like as I'm going to 2022, like the, the macro outlook has shifted a lot. Interest rates are going to be rising, right? Uh, you know, the Fed has indicated four to six rate hikes, likely end the year at 2.5, 3.5%, which is for years we've been at zero. Um, doesn't there, There's like straight up inflation. So everything in terms of cost of living is going to go up. And we have a war where when you're in a war, you don't want random coins. You want food, water, bullets, clothes, right? You yeah. need like real physical stuff. So those are the headwinds in the market. So I think people need to be much more tempered in terms of expectations coming in. Um, so with that, like expectation re reshifted, I think, you know, am I like a crypto skeptic or crypto bear? No, I think there's like, fundamentally interesting tech being built. So I think the way we've been trying to back and allocate into are things that are just like much more infrastructural or potentially have like a software SaaS business model. So for example, um, like one investment, which is again, more of VC investment, but has a crypto flavor to it is alchemy. We invested in the Series B at a 500 mil cap or valuation, and obviously it printed a 10 billion, and that was like a six months turnaround. Obviously, very very high expectations for that business at 10B, but I think like the long arc of time, and I think there's a number of companies that compete or do similar things as Alchemy in terms of developer tools, developer analytics around. Web3 dApps, like that that infrastructure will need to exist. Just like how AWS, uh, Google Cloud, Azure, Heroku, right? Like all these, or even a Firebase, right? Like there's like all these like managed service that make developing on uh, on raw sort of nodes much more palatable. Um, so I think it goes from like a much more towards a, like a developer tools um, and is like an area of focus, right? So like, so I think infrastructure is one area. I think identity layers mm. or identity tokens will be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think people are kind of crack at it in a number of different ways. And it's maybe something that's antithetical to Web3. But there will likely be regulation and also just utility to like have a way to be KYC without exposing your social security number per se, 
but still have KYC as you uh, cross the new web. Um, so I think, and I think that could be like through the metaverse or even like physical spaces where uh, your KYC through a, a, a token and that gives you like an ID to go into a, a part of the world or an like a crypto island that has different security or uh, social governance that that you're trying to create, right? So I think there's a lot of innovation or interesting areas around that specific component. Yep. Um, like there might be like a world where like you have like Wild West, you can have 20 di different avatars and that's like the unfiltered part of the metaverse. And then you have like the identity verified, but not necessarily you sharing to, you know, some centralized service, but some... <laughs> Some, 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 some kind of like relatively decentralized identity layer yep. that people accept. Social graph that kind of allows you to social you know, validate where, yeah, you're, you're able to, um, in a self-sovereign way, choose what you reveal and not reveal pretty much. And, and yeah. Yeah. So I think that's that those could be attributes or, or yep. features. Um, so I think those, uh, I think I, I like uh, play to earn gaming. I, I think there's interesting stuff around. Um, I generally like what like YGG has, has like shown in terms of uh, kind of these collective pooling and creating opportunities and farming. So I, but like, I, I don't, I don't think those are the end all be all. Like, I think there's a lot of variations of what you could do to make, uh, can you like create a, a DAO infrastructure to sponsor and invest in your own teams and get revenue share, right? Like I think, uh, as opposed to like a, a monolith of, of YGG, I think there's interesting innovation around that aspect. Um, I think a lot of play to earn games or metaverse like games are rebuilding the same infrastructure again and again and again. Right, like that might have worked in March 2021, but now in March 2022, I, I'm sure we've all seen the nth plus one digital world, and uh, I don't know which one. Maybe the, the nth plus second one has the magic combination of features and <laughs> celebrities and activations, but I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell about that, but. Are there some infrastructural pieces that uh, are hard to build and annoying to build that can integrate and power some of these projects? So those are the flavors of things that um, we're looking at and we're interested in. I think that's um, we, we definitely share quite a few similar perspectives. Um, obviously, metaverse and GameFi is, has been one of our core theses for quite a long time probably over two years now um since we engaged with sandbox but um nowadays there's yeah so many verses you know it's really tools and builders and manage you know zillow on on kind of uh real uh, digital real estate so to speak those kind of platforms um where you know this whole trend is going up and you have decent exposure in all the top land then what's next? Well, you got to enrich that experience anyways. And 
and you you have these tools and services people are providing and they can plug across any verse and those are way more worthy bets both as a betting on the entire niche and also supporting your existing portfolio as well so yeah that's that's one area that we're definitely um share similar thesis with you uh yeah and i i, I mean the identity part is actually super interesting that you mentioned um We've been looking at a couple particular ones uh, that have recently popped up. So like um, Ceramic, I think. You, I, I don't know if you heard of them. Um, original team from 3Box, you know, all ETH builders um, come from ETH identity, but now are pivoting so much to so much more um, Web3 social graph type of uh, use case, yeah. Curious uh, of you know your your um, angle of uh, tackling you know Web three identity. Uh, what do you think the core use cases are? Um, we don't have any active investments in this space. So, uh, if you if there are things that you're excited about, let's let's definitely for say sure. Then yeah, I mean, would love to play jam, together. Jam on those, yeah. Um, but like generally, I think I think just I think there will be just like more curated spaces, uh, just like how there's a and and I think it's just like realizing that while I think it's like really fun and wild west, right? To just have like fifty. Uh, different handles and, and avatars and they're all bots right i've had enough friends especially females who like feel like they're like literally get harassed and i think it's like not an experience that's immediately obvious but i think there will be a lot of demand um for like identity identity spaces where like there's a much less risk for harassment um and and all and all the negative behaviors associated with just like a infinite swarm of anonymous people. Um, so I think there will be like a lot of demand for curated KYC spaces that people can interact with in a metaverse style format. One, um, I think. Two, I think identity to. Uh, unlock physical experiences, I think is like an interesting um, concept where there could be different, like, and I think there are, I have friends who are working with island governments and like experimenting and playing around with these ideas, but, you know, could people that are physically there have like KYC and, and proof of funds and you can have like a good time in a very safe environment or could there be just like KYC uh, tokens where or like non-transferable transferable, like locked NF NFTs that right. unlock uh, jurisdictions. Like maybe like this area, like you have firearms and this area you can't. So I, I think there's like interesting integrations from uh, using these tokens in a way that's um, like very relevant for how like cities are constructed. You can imagine like future cities, like certain floors are gated 
um, as opposed to like what's the current way, like a security guard or like a plastic card that needs to be issued? Does it make sense that if these are tokenized, it's much quicker to revoke and, and, and control, and it's like very transparent um, in terms of how many people have access? So I think those are kind of the two buckets. So basically, one like KYC to enable um, safer spaces. Three, like physical space innovation through identity. Maybe the, the third space I think is interesting is that, um, and this is like kind of like a federated identity model, right? Can you KYC once and then have that token follow you around to other financial institutions? Mm -hmm. So don't need a KYC. So maybe you have like, a, you KYC once through Binance and then you can kind of take this token around to other exchanges and maybe at some point dexes have some sort of regulatory requirement who knows right like i don't i don't i don't necessarily want or think that's the right thing to do but i would not be surprised if dexes require some kyc at some point down the line because so much money is going through all of that so maybe like yeah a federated KYC that you can take with you to different DEXs might be something that has to be built in case regulation like that comes down. I think um, definitely points that we have uh, I actually probably we haven't thought of but um, definitely agree with you that this like way of recording uh, non-transactional, you know, non-money-related information uh, on blockchain or distributed ledger, at least, and uh, taking that across to different experiences, whether that's enabling something in digital or making it a little bit more immutable and uh, compatible across different platforms. Um, that theme overall uh, is something we really want to get into as well. And we, we've done some re small research on, on this side because um, uh, initially it was um, uh, people were doing it through NFTs and uh, there were token gated communities and people were making NFT metadata a little bit. Um, uh, they can edit the metadata. So, you know, if you hold a certain level of past then you can access a certain level of uh, content or community. But that whole model is technically it's been done um, last market by the teams at uh, Uport and Civic and, and these kind of last gen projects um, through that through the Ethereum blockchain and through linking your wallet with um, these credentials that people issue to you. But these guys are kind of all moving towards the direction of. Um, um, this model doesn't really fit on Ethereum because Ethereum is by nature, the accounts are transactional. Um, whereas uh, I've seen quite a few networks that are tackling this overall theme. Um, and instead of doing, you know, block-based blockchain, they do account-based distributed ledger um, like uh, ceramic network, which I mentioned. Uh, so, you know, Basically, you, your account is instead of having one NFT for you know as your access pass or something, and it 
give, it lists all the things that you have access to, but it has to still be an Ethereum transaction. Instead, you just have at the native layer, um, your wallet, your cryptographic key uh, has all these credentials and all your information and not only um, access passes, but also, you know, social interactions can be very individual account based instead of transaction based. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely one area that I think, yeah, we've we, um, discussed internally and are super excited about. Like for use cases, like you mentioned, you know, carrying KYCs <coughs> over, um, enabling uh, some level of anonymity or revealing, revealing yourself in metaverses and also even more social, like more nitty gritty, um, small interactions. Like I follow you, you join a space, that kind of stuff. It's just not scalable on Ethereum or even, uh, you know, uh, proof of stake EVM. It's still not scalable enough. So, um, yeah, that definitely agree with you with those use cases there, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like interesting to like. <clears throat> so I think this is where I feel like there's like a, or at least from my perspective, I almost focus much more on uh, go to market, but specifically their access to developers and like how can how. <clears throat> Like we're, we're basically people are building different constructs of operating systems, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, kind of. We think Linux is the way to build right. Web three. We think you, whatever Unix and different flavor Ubuntu and Microsoft or Windows and and what eventually you know why Microsoft was able to do so well was they got they were able to get the mindshare people on board, right? So I think. Obviously, that bodes well for ETH um, because it's a dominant mindshare. But I don't. I'm not convinced per se that the, like that. It's the game is over because like there are no killer apps, right? Like when I when I think broader, it's like okay, what half a million wallets have connected to OpenSea. And like I know, I've connected to OpenSea with a few wallets, and probably a number of people. So probably, what really like fifty thousand people really trade NFTs on OpenSea. But like those fifty thousand people, like <laughs> you're tr like basically watch trading amongst each other for like all of this. So I think I'm like very cognizant that like while there are a lot of gains in this industry, like the, like the raw amount of actual users and actual usage is very low. So like, yes, you can be very uh, fancy with the technology and the technicals, but almost I'm, and of course it needs to work, uh, but I'm almost just, just as important as the technology is how well they understand their ecosystem how can they get developers to actually integrate and build? Um, those are important signal, signals to me as I, in, in my investor hat. Yeah, that definitely um, agreed there. I think uh, sometimes we're crypto native or too crypto native for our own good and just judge things based on 
um, these honestly inflated valuations across the entire space if we really judge by user count. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm, in terms of dominant network, definitely EVM and ETH for ETH clearly for NFTs, but is NFT a clearer app um, that validates either the network in all of tech? Uh, yeah, that's really hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is cool, right? I think NFTs are here to stay, yeah. but there's like not that many actual users, right? Like, you, like, like, I don't think there's like, like we see like impressive volume and impressive number of wallets. Um, and maybe when we talk to people, it's just like, I don't know if, like, I think, like, I think it's still very early. So basically like when I, when I see OpenSea at like, we heard their series eight, a hundred million valuation. And then we like, didn't have our fund together at a time. So we couldn't invest. And then like literally a year later, it was like a $14 billion company. We're, we're just like, what the, <laughs> like, holy F. Um, and it's like, but I, but like, it's still early, right? Like it's okay. They have the first 50,000 users or a hundred thousand or half a million users, but there's going to be, if NFTs are actually real, right? Like these are like the new digital trading cards and gaming items. Like there's like literally hundreds of millions of people that will be onboarded down the line. So I think it's still super early. And I think people are kind of betting. I, I think there's like some aspects of the market where, um, institutional VCs want exposure to crypto and they cannot buy tokens. So they're like overly paying up on these uh, Delaware C corporations that have a hint of crypto to them. So I think there's like beyond just like the intrinsic valuation of the product. I think there's actually a lot of uh, infra like, in like infrastructural uh institutional financing structure that like is driving some of these uh really really kind of aggressive valuations so when you mean like nfts haven't taken on do you mean more in like the sense of like the <clears throat> the current like profile picture nfts and like art nfts i think just like the number of like actual wallets that have nfts and assuming that that like like I know a lot of people with a lot of wallets that all have NFTs, right? Like you just like kind of look at the open sea public numbers of like the number of active wallets. Like, Hey, that's what at like list is like what 500,000 was the last number. Maybe it's gone up a little bit more. How many of those are dupes? And then it's like, how many people are actually trading? It's like probably I would guess conservatively 50% are dupes, if not 90% are dupes, right? So what is that bound? Like yeah. 50 to 100,000 actual people trading of some volume in there. So I think it's just like actually very, very early. So like, but, I mean, but like, like, do I think that the, this is a real category? I think it's a real category. I think, I think the, the plus side is, I think it's like, I think open seats are very disruptable. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. Um, but we do see the the massive uh, the use the use cases for NFTs in mass more so with games. 
So like with Ronin, I think they peaked around a million users. So like Axie Infinity. Um, and I think they, they're down now to about 300,000 or a quarter of a million active uh, wallets. So still a decent amount of activity there. And I'm shooting from the hip right now, but I think in with DFK, we've seen a lot of volume also. So I think with, uh, for me personally, like NFTs, um, NFTs are only as good as the utility that you can draw from them. So profile picture NFTs are essentially to me, they're not, they're, they're not that worth that much. Whereas uh, being like a, a native gamer and you know uh growing up in in the online worlds i can see how these nfts such as like axie infinity and dfk they can spawn um you know utility into these worlds and i think that's where we have the real use case for these uh, nfts yeah no i i think that's why it's like interesting um i think the question is that like i can buy a triple A game for $60 at Best Buy. And that's my gas fee to like, <laughs> like, uh, like transact. So I, I, so I think it's like, there is going to, so I think it's like, is that utility of a transaction on a very busy Ethereum day, like buying a triple A Halo 7 when it comes out for $60 at Best Buy? I, I think when you go to talk to like a normal human being that's not in crypto, it's like, this is, this is like kind of crazy. Right. So I think it's like, there's quite a bit of work. I'm, I'm optimistic we will get there, but I think just like the, the narrative and the potential is like very aggressive ahead of like, Hey, yeah, like you buy this NFT and it costs you like $700 to like get a little character. And it's like, that's like an Xbox and like five games and four controllers for like a normal middle-class family in, in America. Right. So yeah. I think that's where it's like a very, um, like there needs to, there's like a reality check when, when you talk to people just that are normal, they're not like super native. And maybe it's like, Hey, we don't care about them. They're going to be boomers and die. And all the future generations going to be, like gonna have crypto and, and 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 you know be denominated in ETH versus US dollar, that maybe that's maybe that's correct way to analyze this. But I think I'm just like I'm reconciling like all the time. Like we still work in a USD owned world, but like we can operate in the ETH denominated world too. Um and it will be interesting to see how these inter intertwine, right? Like, do I see a world where USD goes down? Maybe, but like, it will be a very different world if US dollar US dollar is not the uh, the primal currency of the world. Yeah, it's a little bit too far into the future to to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I, I don't see too many games, uh, being built on Ethereum. Uh, personally, if I see a game being built on Ethereum or probably even Avalanche's like main layer or any of these bigger chains, it, it's going to take too much gas for it to, um, 
for transactions for it to be really feasible. So we've seen uh, quite a few. So like what we see with DFK, how they run up their own subnets. Uh, I'm really bullish on that and blockchains that have these subnets. So like Oasis is one that we've uh, covered a little bit recently, I think. And we've talked to the team. Um, yeah, we have these these more video game chains that I, I we have a, a lot more. I have a lot more of a bull thesis on than uh, having them on the same chains as like the settlement layers uh, for like Avalanche and Ethereum. Yeah. Well, here's a provocative question, and I don't know. I don't have a strongly held opinion on this. What do you make of the contention that L1s and L2s go to zero over time because the utility accrues into the application layer, not the protocol layer? For example, email is basically free, like TCP IP is free. Um, and to your point, like there's more and more chains popping up all the time that are faster, cheaper, better. Um, maybe you have Bitcoin as the store of value, and that's king. It's hard to dislodge the first mover. Uh, but what do you what do you make of the contention that it's hard for these like the like the native tokens for L one L two is going towards zero over time, given that there's constantly a better, faster, cheaper. Uh, uh, I don't think I think there's faster, cheaper. I don't think there's better, faster, cheaper. And I think I... faster and cheaper is an int- is is a basically how most people are selling their blockchains, their L ones to people. Yeah, and uh, with that, um, like I, I think we have a lot of uh, so like Matic, for example, they were a big selling point where they sold their layer two, uh, which had the same security as you know Ethereum. Way back in 2021, early 2021, uh, when Actionality, it was a uh, side chain. And that didn't carry any of the same security from Ethereum. Um, And with this, uh, because they don't carry the same security, uh, I think this happened more towards the fall. Uh, There was a bunch of uh, transactions that were able to be, um, uh, they were pe- people were able to go back to previous transactions and uh, sandwich the the transactions from previous trades. So there was EVM exploits from trades that were happening days and months ago that could be exploited. Uh, whereas like Solana, um, Solana has uh, a big problem with Solana that I've seen that there's not a great use case around is like censorship. So like if a, a lending protocol needs to liquidate a position, you know, really quickly. Uh, and if they got censored to where their, none of their trades were able to go through, then that would be detrimental to the, the uh, lending protocol because they couldn't liquidate. So I think with a lot of this stuff, it's, um, uh, there's a lot of faster and cheaper. Uh, I haven't seen yet of much better yet, personally. For me, it's like Avalan- uh, Avalanche, Luna, and Ethereum, and then 
everything else besides that is uh, whatever, in my opinion. For now, uh, yeah. So I think so. I think that might be like an interesting way to like add nuance to the, the initial statement, which is that if you do not have real decentralized control, right? Like I think everyone knows Sam Owens Solana, right? He can basically turn off all the nodes all at once. That's called not. That's called basically a personal computer database, right? So I, I think when when you have things that are like that, um, that are not actually decentralized, but fake decentralized, and basically someone's personal computer, um, I think those are very uh, fragile to disruption because you can't just make your own kind of fake decentralized protocol and make it faster and cheaper, right? So I think to me, I, uh... want to, I think if you're not truly decentralized, um, I think the, the 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 narrative starts breaking down. I I like to chime in here. I think um, yeah. I think you you pose a really interesting question. So, um, the layer one, layer two, stat trend to zero with this um, um, narrative. Definitely, there there's some merit to it if you're entirely just copying Ethereum and porting overall. Uh, you know, existing applications and making it faster and cheaper, then you're prone for disruption. But um, I'd argue that um, there are a few different networks that um, have aligned their tokens value um, and partly, you know, decentralization or how how well the, the consensus is working to their app intended application success, right? So, if you take Ethereum, for example, what are the most successful use cases of Ethereum? Um, it's DeFi, it's storing assets, um, and it's storing you know assets long term with provenance like NFTs. Um, and this, these kind of applications, um, they're they get enhanced and they get better um, as Ethereum's price goes up, technically, and as Ethereum. Uh, lasts longer and its security is longer and it's it's diff- more diff- uh, difficult to fifty one percent attack it attack its yep. consensus right so those are good um, use cases for the bullish side of Ethereum and and this is why like punks exist on ETH not on Avalanche or Solana right and then on Solana's case you could um, come up with some intended use cases where as Solana's price and consensus, you know, works better and price goes up, maybe Solana scales faster. If that's something um, that they can come up with, that that'd be cool. Or if they have intended um, applications, and that those are the ones that they build on there, then um, that could be a self, uh, you know, feedback loop. So there are many networks that have, uh, you know solve this or, or seeing like product market fit or token market fit maybe um, in in this sense of ETH. Um, I would say Bitcoin, obviously, store value. The longer it lasts and it doesn't change, um, the more convincing it is. Um, Luna is pretty interesting recently. Um, if you count UST as a very core, the most core application on Luna, then you can say... Um, Okay, well, as the Luna price is going up, and as the assets on Luna are going up, the core use case of NFT uh, of UST 
being pegged to the dollar is stronger, and then this, uh, you know, doesn't trend to zero, uh, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, to- I would yeah, no, say. No, I, I mean, I think, I think, look, that, that's why I don't have a strongly held opinion. And I think if, like, I think Ethereum has, I, I, I have a, a bag of Ethereum. So, yeah, I'm not, I, would I'm say not talking, I don't want to talk against my book. <laughs> and I have some other <laughs> coins too. And there like, are only a handful of networks, I would say, that, um, yeah, I can even say they have a very different vertical of uh, applications that they are integrating closely with their token economy to justify their token being related to the applications. There's so many out there are just copying ETH and... Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. why I think it's interesting, right? Like, there's a, a lot of L1s, L2s being marketed, and it's like... Again, if you look at, like, how Web2 evolved, like, the applications uh, accrued the value, and you can imagine that would be application-specific tokens that would have outsized value like a helium or you know mm. some utility or some application so i think so basically like i think the question is like okay like the counter counterpoint is that okay you you get a helium and you get so much value that you can switch to any blockchain you can swap l1s and clone your state because it's transparent and you can kind of like like it'll be interesting a battle, right? Because like at, at some point, like the application has more users and more affinity than the L1 itself, and then I can just go like, hey, I'm gonna bring my application community to whichever L1 is gonna give me the best to- development grant and uh, promise some level of like it working. So I think that's an interesting. Uh, I just I I actually have, don't have a lot of people that actually talk about this or think about this, and I think it's a worthy question. That's uh, I think that's cool because um, then if we go back to the ETH example, the only applications that truly stand for ETH, you know, uh, as a network as bullish cases, literally just the standards. ERC twenty standard, ERC seven twenty one, ERC one five five. These are technically the Ethereum core applications. Um, the rest can be cloned and copied over to others. But if they, if you want to, you know, use the the core, um, these these standards as technical uh, protocols and frameworks on on top of the network, then ETH is probably the the best network for these. Uh, for the entire use cases, you know, money and storing and and uh, valuable collectibles. Uh, other networks, I can think of maybe Avalanche. They have done this um, initial litigation offering uh, thing, which is a technically their own application that doesn't work on other chains um, and accrues value to their token and their uh, network's uh, design, but. Yeah, yeah, I think people are hustling. Like, I'm amazed at Terra. Like, what a gangster <laughs> execution, or Luna, or whatever that ecosystem. I'm just yeah. like, wow, it's super interesting. Like, yeah, maybe, I, I like, can't. I can't like, see. You know, stable coins isn't really ETH agnostic. I wouldn't say stable coins have have 
you know, without without yeast, stablecoins can probably still live on. So it's still a well, question yeah, I, I think stablecoins yeah. very good use case. I think stablecoins are very yeah very yeah like yeah. So I'm talking L1, L2s, right? Like yeah. I'm talking like protocol tokens, like. Yeah, I, I think it's closer to Bitcoin, right? Like, I think there's like likely to be some like store of value in holding ETH, given that a lot of art pieces are on ETH. So I think it's almost crossed the chasm to be less of like a, it has some sort of value value to it versus just a pure protocol settlement later type type offering. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're all just. Again, I think it's like the future will tell. I think we're all learning and navigating and, and parsing um, what's bullshit, what's hype. Maybe try to make a trade and capture some value. Um, but like, I, 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 I think there's like this is like you can stay up all night. I remember when I was like really, really deep in this last summer. I just it was like hard to sleep because like shit was moving so fast. So it's fun, but yeah, like. Let let like let let let's see how everyone competes and and, and and how people build. And I think a lot of it's gonna be getting actual users fundamentally at, at some point. Yeah, I, I think um you, you brought up but overall I think really good good point because um when we evaluate these ecosystems, um it has been you know, identifying their niche and their flavor before, uh where you know some chains are DAO focus, some are gaming focus, finance focus, but um, we never, I never personally thought of it as their token has to align with that flavor as well, so that the value of those applications accrue to the token. Um, and this this point that, that you brought up is, is really cool, because you think about ETH, you know, the DeFi and the NFTs, they, they self-fulfill into the ETH value. Now Luna, you know, UST, stability, um, positive feedback loop to to uh, luna's price um what are some other examples maybe we can identify those and and then we can argue okay these chains are aren't just better faster but um the, there's some there's really flavor some effect or application effect that yeah that, application that, yeah. effect that they have thought of and successfully proven it and, and built the application layer um and have them all integrated token um yeah that would be a pretty important part of a successful network actually yeah i gotta wrap in a couple minutes here but any other questions or thoughts it's a fun conversation yeah this is really fun um i don't know uh, luke usually has some some points to cover as well but we can uh we can cover that in the next call for our uh trending narratives and, and agenda um do we have any questions for <laughs> i'm trying, uh, trying to see if there's anything good um so i i noticed that you had a bit of like e-commerce background in your bio um jeffrey uh and i've kind of had this is more of like a uh, something that popped off big last year was like these e-commerce tokens so like we have spi or like shopping.io and like shopx and a couple others um do you see i know you don't probably don't know too much about them but do you see much of a a path forward for these like decentralized e-commerce uh aggregate services 
Uh, I, I, how do those generally work? So just so I can, I, I have not heard of those tokens or protocols, but curious. yeah. So uh, just my basic understanding of it is like you don't have to necessarily have a Amazon account or you know any other kind of account, and you go on, you can place your orders, you pay in uh, uh, ERC twenty token or any uh, yeah an ERC twenty token. And then they process your transactions, and uh, yeah, you you get your goods through Amazon, uh, and that's I the see. little I know about it. Yeah, so I think okay, that that fits a category of things I think are dumb. <laughs> um, <okay>. like, <laughs> like I think it's like, why does that need to be a blockchain, and why does that need to be tokenized? Right? I could yeah. sell you Jeff points, loyalty points, air air gift card points, right? There's a lot of these like non-crypto necessary points that that do that that solve that problem and aren't very successful or aren't very popular. So I think it's just like, okay, we can make up a lot of schemes that have digital points. I think the question is, okay, what is the actual network effect? What actually needs to be cryptofied here? So I think there actually are applications, and these are some things I'm actually thinking about, that um, you could use tokens to incentivize community behavior on behalf of brands, on behalf of marketing. Um, so I think there's a lot of, I think there will be a lot of innovation in how brands, communities utilize tokens, right? Like like DAOs. I mean, I think obviously, like honestly, I think crypto is just like, it's like community times financial incentive times religion, right? Like that's why like this thing, like this thing is real. Like it became like theoretical to real very, very quickly because enough people bought in and are incentivized to buy in. Um, so that's very similar to the, the dynamic of brands like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, like people are bought in, but they're not really incentivized other than like the social proof they get from wearing something that signifies some value. So when I, so I think there is things to be built here. Um, but I don't think, I don't think any of the things that I've seen or heard and not those ideas uh, don't seem particularly relevant. Okay. Or yeah. Work. Yeah. No, no. I think you, you put the, just the right amount of clarity I needed to, to slap myself out of buying those tokens. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I pretty much had the similar thoughts and I just wanted to pick your brain on it. Awesome. Yeah, great. Cool. Well, uh, had fun speaking with you all. Um, if there's additional questions, maybe we, we do this again at some point, but uh, happy to stay connected on Twitter, etc. cetera. Uh, and then, uh, chat uh asynchronously of course yeah thank you for coming on jeff yeah uh, it's been a pleasure yeah thanks very much right, we'll uh we'll keep some level of contact definitely but so, yeah yeah let's keep in touch uh and thanks everyone for joining yeah thanks everybody have a good